0: Hey, my name is Lucas and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey Coastline Knights, it is so good, so good to be here with you. Worship was wonderful tonight, thanks team for doing that. And a special shout-out to Bronwyn Browett on the keys. Way to go. So good. I had to uh, snap a picture of you and send it to your dad and be like, your daughter's killing it tonight. It was so good. We're just super proud of the way uh, Robbie is developing our young musicians. It's really, really fun to watch. So exciting. So good to have you here. Coastline Nights, this is where the cool people hang out. That's what I heard, so that's why you're here tonight. Good to have you here, and it's really super fun to be here with you tonight, and I, I'm kind of wrapping up the series that we've been in uh, on fear, fear not, and now we're going to hit the, you know, the, we're going to end this one, and we're going to hit the Christmas button. Are you ready for that? I'm excited. I'm excited for Christmas. I'm, oh, I'm so ready. You guys are going to deck the halls tonight. I'm hoping there'll be some photos, Pastor Lucas. I'd love to, love to see what that means, and... Yeah, that's good. I just have this image of like, yeah, I'm not even going to say. I'm just going to wait for the pictures because I'm sure it's going to be awesome. All right. So... Um, I- Okay, so for, for Coastline Nights, here's what's happened. We've been in this series now. This is the end of the series. But if you were looking chronologically at Joshua, this would have been kind of the third big moment in the book of Joshua. Okay, so if you back up with me just for a minute, just so that we can get all on the same page. Joshua chapter 1, God uh, calls to Joshua that it's time to take the children of Israel into their into their inheritance, into the promised land. And he says to Joshua, don't be afraid, be courageous, I'm gonna be with you, and, um, and, and you're gonna be victorious. As I was with Moses, I'm gonna be with you. And so this was that sense of God goes with you. And then, um, and then there was a, a message on Rahab, and how um, Rahab was this woman who was actually not uh, an Israelite, but she understood the God of the Hebrews. She understood that he was powerful, that he was real, and she chose to fear God rather than fear all the people around her even of her own nation she said listen i know that he is real and um and so that fear that awe that respect for god was so present in her life and it actually was a salvation to her and then um this last week pastor lucas preached about the walls of jericho coming down is it, was anybody here for that message this last week yeah a couple people awesome and so now i want to go be i want to go between rahab and the walls falling down. And I'm going to jump right in the middle there because there's something significant that takes place there. And I want to talk to you about it this evening. And we're going to talk about the crossing over of the Jordan River. And this is a beautiful and powerful picture. It's metaphorical um, uh, in application to you, but it's literal in its event. And that's super, super awesome, super exciting. So um, if you kind of just go back in history with me, Uh, Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abram and says to him, I'm going to make an amazing nation out of you. I'm going to bless you, and everybody who blesses you will be blessed. And and then in Genesis 15, God tells him how it's going to happen. God says to him, listen, you're you're going to live in this land until you die. You're going to be blessed in this land, and that's going to be the end of it for you. But your offspring, your descendants are going to suffer for 400 years, four generations, and in the fourth generation, I'm gonna bring them out of their slavery in another land and they're gonna come back here and they're gonna possess this land. So that was the promise. So then you fast forward in history, 400 years of slavery, the children of Israel are are miraculously delivered under Moses' leadership by the mighty hand of God, 40 years in the wilderness, and then Joshua's on the scene, and that's what we've been reading about, and now the time has come. And the reason why I want to make sure that you understand the whole story, because this is a big story. It's a long story. It's a powerful story. And so I want to read verse one with you and then just give you a, a couple of thoughts. In Joshua chapter three, verse one, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, which means Acacia Grove, and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Now, the Bible says it very matter of factly, but if you're listening to me tonight, you're understanding that the lead up to this is absolutely phenomenal. And I want to share with you an illustration I shared with our our morning services last week. So in in, in the pew in front of you, there's these Bibles. Would you guys just try and grab one of those if you can? Or if you have your own paper Bible, that's fine as well. I just want to say, yeah, they're kind of underneath if you're on the front row. They're like under here. And if not, just reach around and steal one from behind you. Just want you to hold on to it. And what I want you to do is turn to page 11 in this Bible. Page 11. That should be Genesis 15 page 11. So go ahead and grab page 11, and then once you're on page 11, just kind of put your finger there, and then flip over and go to, I think it's page 171, page 171. So you got your finger in page 11, and you got your finger in page 171. There we go. All right. So basically, if you're like, I have my own Bible, what are you doing? Okay, so if you have your own Bible, what I'm doing is I'm going to Genesis 15, which is where I told you the promise was given to Abram, right? And then I want you to go to Joshua 3, which is on page 171. And and then what I want you to do is just um, hold up that section in between, right? You've got uh, Genesis 15, you've got Joshua 3. Hold it up. Put it between your hands like this and just... We're not disrespecting the Bible. We're just making a point here. You can just pick it up like that. Okay, good. So just hold on to that. Just look at all those pages. I just want you to understand, I want to make a point to you that there between your fingers is a whole lot of history. It's a whole lot of weeping. A whole lot of prayers. A whole lot of unanswered prayers. A whole lot of waiting and wishing and hoping. A whole lot of praying. A whole lot of reminding. (laughs) Yeah, but God said, someday, someday. And so tonight, the passage that we're looking at is the fulfillment of all of that. I just don't want you to miss that because there's so much history between your fingers and the point that I want to make is this. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the timing that we want. I mean, I can't even imagine how many people passed away in this time period without ever seeing what God promised. And the reason why I wanna share that with you is because sometimes we get impatient. And I wanna encourage you, trust the Lord. We sang about it tonight, right? We sang about trusting Jesus, didn't we? Robbie, where are you? Yeah, I will trust you, right? I know you'll never fail. I will trust you. Jesus, I will. I'll trust you. Even though the history seems long and even though it may not come in the timing that I wish it would, I'm gonna trust you. And that's my encouragement to you. It's a long game, friends. It's the long game that we're playing, and God makes promises and he keeps them. And that's the cool thing about what we're seeing here, is right now, we get to actually jump forward in time and be a part of the fulfillment of the promise, and that's really awesome when you look at a history book, but imagine living that. Imagine all that time. It's amazing. So I wanted you to see that, because this week what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about fear not. We're going to talk about facing the fear of the unknown. The fear of the future. And I'm, I know I'm talking uh, to a younger crowd tonight. You guys have brought down the average age in the church, and I want to thank you for that. But what I, what, I, what I recognize is there was actually a line in one of the songs that you sang. Robbie, I'm still talking to you. Stop flirting with your wife, okay? <laughs> Stop it. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Flirt away. It's good. Um, but I was talking to you because there was a line in this one of the songs that you sang about like what's in front of me is so much bigger or so much better than what's behind. There's more ahead than what's behind. Than what's behind. And I think I was like, Yeah, that's a young person's song right there. <laughs> I can't see some old guy with his cane singing. There's more there's not much ahead, okay? It's almost over but I love the optimism of the song. And it's true, I mean, like, I'm like, I'm actually 48 and I'm going like, yeah, heaven's cool. I'm looking, like, if you add heaven, there's still a lot more ahead, okay, right. But I I just like the lyrics because, like, honestly, when you have so much ahead, the truth is there's also so much you can be afraid of. Like, what is gonna happen out there? Um, The fear of the future, the fear of the unknown, it actually has a clinical name. Are you ready for it? Anticipatory anxiety. (laughs) Have any of you ever had anticipatory anxiety? (laughs) Like every day? (laughs) Like waking up, there it is, right? Anticipatory anxiety, it's kind of crazy. There's a street level name and it's called what if syndrome. Have you ever had that? (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, I wrestle with that myself. Obviously, we all wrestle with it. With our kids, it's right on the surface. My children talk about it. What if, like, you know, it's like dress-up day at school, and they're like, what if I'm the only one who dressed up? Can you imagine how, like, and so the anxiety is just lifting, right? Now, let's be real. We still have what-if syndrome. We just hide it. Yeah. We just put it under the, under the surface, Right? We just text our friends, what are you wearing today? Because I don't want to wear the same thing as you, but I kind of want to look like you, just not exactly the same as you. What, are you wearing that shirt or the, yeah. I had a 60-year-old man text me that once, and I was like, this is weird. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, is that anticipatory anxiety still exists, The what if syndrome is real? It's just under the surface for some of us. We don't talk about it as much, but it's there. But bef- before I get into that, I just want to give you a little bit of like a, a church testimony. Because um, when it comes to anticipatory anxiety, um, right now in our culture, there's a lot of financial anticipatory anxiety, right? Like what's going to happen financially? Things are a little unstable. There's a lot of like, you know, uh, trouble out there and interest rates are rising and, and uh, you know, um, wages aren't high enough to, you know, it's hard to live. It's hard to buy a place. It's hard to rent a place. And so um, with that kind of idea, um, we you know, as humans could be like, I just got to keep everything because I don't know what's coming. But I just wanted to encourage you that you're a part of an incredibly generous church who all year long gives uh, wonderfully, beautifully to the world around them. And then once a year, we take an offering that we keep for the house to kind of help us here with what we're doing, with what we're developing, um, with what we're doing in the West Shore, with what, you know, what we're doing here on, on this site. And, and I just want to encourage you that, Um, I see just an incredible sense of trusting Jesus in the church because um, up to this point, over $270,000 has been given to that one offering called Heart for the House. So give yourselves a hand. (laughs) Generous church, way to go. It's so awesome. Instead of keeping it all and saying, no, I'm just going to, you know what, i got to protect myself from the what-ifs. Just say, no, no, I'm choosing to trust Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. But you know what I've seen is that every season of life brings a new fear of the unknown. Some of you are young and you're in school. Um, maybe you're in university. Maybe you're young and you're working. It's easy to look down the road, as I said, and find things to be concerned about. I mean, maybe at this point it's like relationship. Like, who's that special someone? When, is that gonna happen for me? Am I, am, I gonna, am I gonna find somebody? Am I gonna marry? Am I gonna, you know, whatever. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's like, oh, I found someone, but now What about kids? Oh, that's terrifying, right? And every stage that your children are in, there's a new fear that you carry for them. Isn't that an encouraging word to those who haven't yet had children, right? But it does, it's like you, you just care and so therefore you're like, oh man, are, are they gonna be okay? Are they gonna figure it out? Are they going maybe it's like retirement. Someday you'll be like, oh man, do I have enough to retire? Maybe it's um, just work, like am I gonna be able to work in the field that I'm, I'm preparing for? Is it that? Is it, uh, maybe, maybe it's just like uh, job insecurity or job loss and, and there's new fears around that. Maybe it's aging parents. My parents are getting older, and I'm worried about them. I'm not sure how, how life's going to go for them. Um, for some, it's their own health, like, uh, what's wrong with me? I feel sick, or I don't know what's wrong, or I've got a diagnosis now, and what do I do with that? You see, all through life, there is a new fear of the unknown. What's going to happen next? And so how do we tackle that? I want to give you, from Joshua 3, three ways to tackle the fear of the unknown. And the first one is this, follow God's lead. Follow God's lead. There's so many things that we won't know. The future is unknown because simply it's unknown. And because it's unknown, we are in this place where the one thing we can do is just say, I'm gonna follow close behind Jesus. I'm just going to follow God's lead as he leads. And so now let's jump into the context, which is this Old Testament story of coming into the promised land, crossing the Jordan River. And um, so they're camped at at the Acacia Grove. And here's what it says in verse 2. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. So I don't know to what extent Pastor Lucas has talked to you about, um, about the ark. I know he did a little bit about, did you talk about the mercy seat with this gang? Yeah, a little bit. So let's just talk about the ark really quick, just so you can know what, what's being talked about here. So it was a box. It was about um, four feet. By two feet by two feet, it was a little bit bigger than that, but that's kind of roughly what it was. And it was overlaid with gold. It was made of acacia wood, but the lid was made entirely of gold, like solid gold. And it had two angels called cherub uh, cherubim on top, and they faced each other, and their wings were out like this. So you can kind of imagine two of them. And that was the mercy seat. So that's the lid. Inside of the ark was three things that were very important to Israel's historical, um, you know, sort of culture as a nation. One of them was the Ten Commandments, which were like written on stone. They were tablets, and they were in there. And then alongside of that was Aaron's rod. And Aaron's rod was very interesting because it was just a stick that he used for walking. But then all of a sudden, as a miracle, God caused it to bud and it, it like budded. And so did it have a branch? Did it have leaves? I don't know, but that rod was in there. If you, meant, if you remember how small the box is, I kind of have this new vision of Aaron. I think he was probably like Yoda's size, because I'm not sure how that stick would have fit in that little box, but it did. The rod that butted was in the box. And then alongside of that, uh, beside Yoda's staff, was um, the... Uh man, uh, I'm just being playful, okay? So, And then the lid was on there, and so it was this, this box with these cool historical things inside. On the box, there were rings, and these rings um, were for poles that would be slid through the rings, and then you could pick that box up. You can imagine it was a heavy box, not just because it was wood, but because it was covered in gold. Not just that it was covered in gold, it was also had a solid gold lid, so it was heavy, And so they would carry it on these poles, and four priests, Levitical priests, would carry it on their shoulders, and you weren't supposed to touch it. So I'm assuming they were about the same height because you wouldn't want that thing sliding toward you, because if you touched it, you died. Okay, so that's the interesting thing about the ark. Why, if you touched it, would you die? The reason was it was considered holy, it was a picture of God's presence among his people. God was dwelling in and around the ark. And so the ark was this holy, awesome, sacred box that really represented God with his people. And so to say to you in this sermon, follow God's lead, if you followed the ark in this context, you were following the presence. You were following the holiness of God. That's what you were doing. And so how do we contextualize that for us here today in 2022? I think what we have to say is the picture here is to keep your spiritual eyes open. To put it into a New Testament context, to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because when you see Jesus, it's amazing how many of these needless fears evaporate. When I see Jesus, and I say, I'm going to follow him, he brings clarity in a world of confusion. He brings direction in the midst of a directionless society and culture. And for that, I'm so thankful. I like what Hebrews chapter 2 says. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then that's verse two. And then in verse three, at the end, it says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you see clearly. When you see clearly, you have confidence. When you have confidence, you're not stuck in the fear of the unknown, you're walking in the trust of the Lord. And so what happens is, even though it's so disheartening to look at our world, and when you think about the future, it's easy to become disheartened, but listen, fear melts into confidence when we follow God's lead. The challenge comes in the form of a question. And it's a question that I ask myself, and one that I think is really good for you to ask yourself as you follow his lead. And that is simply this Who's following who? The reason why is because God said very specifically follow it, follow the ark, follow it. Wherever it moves, you follow it. But here's the deal sometimes with me, I'm more like, God, would you bless what I'm doing? <laughs> God, God, I'm gonna launch out and I'm just gonna trust that you're just gonna be with me. And God's saying, hey, hey, I'm here, follow me. And we say, yeah, yeah, God, I hear you, just just right here, God, I want you so close, just right here behind me. And and see, the problem with this arrangement is it's spiritual in nature and it longs for God and it, it even places God in a high value, but the problem is this, The result is fear and confusion if God is behind us as we go to do what we're doing. We must turn and see Jesus first, fix our eyes on him, and then clarity comes. Are you hearing me? So we follow God's lead. Why? Let's look. Let's keep reading. Because in verse 4, it says this, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. (laughs) That makes sense, doesn't it? Follow the ark. Keep your eyes on God. Follow God's lead. Why? Because you've not been this way before. You don't know where you're going. And then the second part of the verse says, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Why did he say that? He said that. Uh, actually, I'm going to hold on to that and tell you that in just a minute, but it's actually really cool. 2,000 cubits. Do you have any idea how long that is? I didn't either. I had to look it up. It's just about a kilometre. It's about 900 meters that's a long way that's like a lot of distance so I mean, they were following the ark, but it was like way out there. They were like, can you see it? All the old guys were asking the young guys, where is it? It's 900 meters out there. I see it. It's shining. You know, the gold was reflecting. Maybe that's why it was gold. You could, you know, reflect the sun or whatever. But they were following it. It was out there. But this is why you must follow. This is why you can't ask the ark to follow you, why you can't ask God to follow you, because you don't know where you're going, God wants to lead you somewhere you haven't been before. You need his leadership. You're going through a world right now where we don't know this way, but God does. So let's follow him, right? There was only two people in the story that had ever been to the promised land. There's only two people in the story who were alive at this time who had ever seen God part the, the, you know, the, the, the red Sea. And that was Joshua, who's leading them, and Caleb. But the cool thing is, is if these Israelites will simply follow God, they're going to see all those same kind of miracles again. They're going to stand in the promised land. They're going to see the water part. And so that's what we're going to watch and see in this message. So listen, just follow God's lead. second way that we tackle the fear of the unknown is just do your job <laughs> and watch God do his. That actually put just yeah. That alone gives me so much comfort. You know what? I can't fix it. I I I can't do God's job, but I can do mine. God makes that possible, and here it is. Joshua chapter three verse five. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. So in other words, he's speaking to them at the end of this first day in the encampment. Tomorrow, something amazing is going to happen, but here's your job. Consecrate yourself. The Hebrew word is kadash. It means to sanctify, to purify. And there's no specifics given here. But the Israelites knew what this meant. Go through your tent. Is there anything here that shouldn't be here? Go through your relationships. Is there anything here that shouldn't be here? Man, this is a time for a family meeting. This is a time to look into our lives. It's time to self-examine. And In fact, this was the thought. Get rid of anything in your heart and in your life that would be corrupt. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And for us, I wonder if sometimes the fear that we are facing comes as a result of what we are allowing into our lives. What's in your tent? What's in your life? A few weeks ago, Lisa uh, preached in our morning services um, and and, uh, Steph preached here. and I think they both touched on the idea of sanctification. And the questions Lisa asked have just been questions that that I think are so good for us. She asked these questions What are you dwelling on mentally? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you rehearsing? What seeds are being planted into the fertile soil of your mind? And those kind of questions help you in this beauty of sanctification, this beauty of purifying, this consecration that Joshua called the people to. Listen, you can't do the amazing stuff, but you can do the work of consecration. And that's what's so cool about this story. Hey, you want to defeat fear? You want to step into the promise? Then listen, get rid of the fear-inducing, confidence-sapping, soul-polluting garbage in your life because God wants to do something amazing. Amazing. G. Campbell Morgan said many years ago, the church pure is the church powerful. So, oh God, help us. Help us. Let us, God, let us walk in purity and watch you do the powerful. Amen? Amen. Notice what Joshua didn't say here. He said, consecrate yourselves, because tomorrow God's going to do something amazing. What didn't he say? He didn't say, sharpen your swords. We're going after those guys in Jericho. He didn't say, prepare for war. Right? And I think there would have been a lot of people that would have been like, yeah, the war cry. Come on, let's go. Why? Why? Because we have a hero complex, and we want to do amazing things for God. But understand, that's not the way this story works. We consecrate, God does the amazing. Do you see it? It's so clear. We do our job. We let God do his job. And I can tell you this path conquers fear. It tackles fear fear to the ground. It pins fear down, this fear of the unknown. Why? Because I know all I have to do is my job, and God will do his. Oh, that is so relieving. It takes away the anxiety. Let's read on. Verse six, Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And now here's a little bit of a a parenthetical thought. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so, that, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Wow, that's really powerful. Can you imagine stepping into Moses' shoes? You'd need some God help, right? Like the guy who parted the Red Sea, you know, all the plagues in Egypt, the one who led them, the manna, the water from the rock. It's just a tough act to follow, Right? Like you don't want that, you know, that act. And so this is a tough one. And so God just in this parenthetical thought says, listen, I'm going to show them that I'm with you the way that I was with Moses. It's so confidence bringing. And so then verse eight, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And when I first hear that, I'm like, ah, nice. It's the desert, it's hot, it's a little day at the beach, roll up your pants or your robe, Hike up your robe, stick your feet in the water, feels good. There is a problem. And the problem comes in verse 15, but I'm going to add it here so that you can see it. Verse 15 now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Oh, no beach only a raging, impassable river, roaring so loud. You probably can't even hear Joshua give these instructions. It is raging. Mount Hermon is releasing all of its snowpack and it is flooding down, 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 down into this Jordan Valley and it is raging. But I love the obedience of the Levites here because they understood something. They understood that faith is risky, But obedience is actually the safest place that you can be. I mean, it's risky to trust God like this. They're going to put the poles through the ark. They're going to put it up on their shoulders. And I think the guys in the back are going, whew, I'm glad those guys are in the front, right? If somebody gets swept away, it's going to be those guys. And off they go in obedience because they're saying, God, if you're in it, that's where I want to be. In the raging water, where else would you want to be except in God's hands? And so obedience is so safe because I'm just saying, God, I'm trusting you. Trusting you, you lead me, you direct me. So we do our job and let God do his. And this leads us to the third thought and that's walk in faith. It's simple, walk in faith. Walk in faith, just God said he's gonna do it. All I can do is my part, I'm gonna trust him. I'm going to let God do his job. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to walk in faith. And here we go. Let's read the story. This is the exciting part. This is the fulfillment Of the promise. This is the the time when they step past the Jordan and into the promised land. Are you ready for it? It says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, like 900 meters, like way out there. And now we read the verse I read before. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. And then the same verse, there is this yet. Everybody say yet. This is a very important yet. It's at flood stage yet. As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the sea of the Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off so the people crossed over opposite Jericho that's a miracle. And this miracle is so interesting. In the King James, you know, here it says they, when their feet touched the water's edge. In the King James, it says, when they dipped their feet in the Jordan. Can you see it? It's like, oh God, this is a raging, hey, hey, wow. What in the world? I want you to see that picture because there's a cost to walking in faith. And that's the cost. The cost is trusting Jesus when you don't yet see the result. Stepping into the water. If you're going to walk in faith, you're going to have to put your feet into that scary place, that place of the unknown fears. God says, just walk, just choose obedience because I have a plan. I just, I think it's so amazing that when Joshua said, hey, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God's gonna do something amazing, they could have woke up the next morning and been like, oh, the Jordan's gone. It dried up overnight. Praise God, that's like driving into the mall and finding a parking spot. Well, praise God, right? No, they had to put their feet in it. And I really think that's the word of the Lord for us guys as a church. You'll have to dip your feet into the challenge you're facing, the challenge you're fearing, but what you're gonna see is the grace of God meet you there. And so I wanna encourage you into the mystery, into the unknown future, we can trust him. We can trust him. Why why do you think that God dried the river up so far away? 16 kilometers away, or 16 miles away, up up river. Because God is glorified in the details. God knows best. So let me explain to you something. You See, when the children of Israel went into Egypt, there was 70 of them. When they came out 400 years later, there was 3.5 million of them. That's quite a tribe. <laughs> it's quite a group. It's actually twelve tribes, right? That's a lot of people. And do you have any idea how long it would take, two abreast, side by side, walking through the Jordan, how long it would take them to cross the river? Well, somebody did the math. I didn't, but somebody did. You ready for this? So say kind of that like classic like image in your mind was true and the the priests went in with the ark and it was like, the water stopped right here in like a big wall and you could see the fish swimming through it, right? And the, it like jumped over your head like an arch and then it kept going and it was like, wow, this is amazing. And, and the Israelites were going to walk through two by two through the, you know, through the little opening. Well, the, the lineup would be 800 miles long and it would take them a month to cross. But If God dries up the water 16 miles away, and the priests that are carrying the ark are 900 meters from you, and and they crossed 5,000 at a time, in a swath three miles wide, they could all cross in a single day. And that's exactly what they did. You see, God knows best, and he's glorified in the details. To to stop the water so far away meant that they could all cross in a single day, all get to the other side and camp on the other side that night. God is glorified in the details, and, and God knows what he's doing, and so we can walk in faith. And the last verse I want to give you is another place where God is glorified in the details. It says, the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. How many of you know, if it was like a flood and there was like water and then the water just stopped, it's not dry ground, it's mud. It's puddles of flapping fish, right? It is not dry ground, but God continued to glorify himself in the details and dry up the ground so that they could walk across it And this is another picture of God's goodness. He he established a good path for his children. And he wants to do the same for you. So walk in faith. Walk in faith. Trust him as you step into the unknown future. The future will always be unknown, but you don't have to be afraid of it. Amen? Let me pray with you. Let's just take just a moment and let's pray. I want to just walk back through those three ways to tackle the fear of the unknown future because I think in them there is a response for us here tonight. The first one I said is to follow God's lead. And I just believe that someone here tonight is saying, you know what, I'm not a Christ follower. I've come as a friend. I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm an explorer. But I, I, I'm not a Christ follower. I want to encourage you. Maybe that's, that's the point tonight is that you're going to say this evening, I want to follow God's lead. Yeah, I do. I want to follow God's lead. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. Maybe for the first time you're saying, I want to put my life in his hands. I want you to know that that's a decision you won't regret. That's a decision that changes your eternity. And so you can simply say, Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord can whisper that in your, in your heart right now. Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord. Jesus, I acknowledge you as Savior. Jesus, I place my life in your hands. Jesus, I will follow your lead. I make that decision. The past is no more. You are my future. I wanna continue to pray because I think there are some that are here tonight and, and really what God's gonna ask you to do this evening is to take out the garbage spiritually. There's stuff in your life that needs to come out. Get rid of it. Say, God, give me a new pattern of thinking. God I make the decision I'm going to live differently. I'm going to I'm going to allow you to retrain my thinking and my living patterns. I'm going to ask you to help me plant good seed in the soil of my life. So Lord, I pray even right now. God that our cry would be for consecration, that our heart would be to know you, to to be pure before you, Lord, to sanctify ourselves in your presence, Lord, and to watch you do amazing things. Lord, Help us, God. So much around us influences us. And so, Lord, we just take inventory tonight of what we are thinking about and meditating on and reading and rehearsing and what we're doing in our activity, Lord. And we just ask that you would be Lord of our lives. You would be the controlling influence of our behavior. God, we choose you. We wanna see you work. And Lord, thirdly, there are many here who say, I am really dealing with fear about the future. Anticipatory anxiety is something I experience on the regular. And God, I just pray that you would come with your peace in Jesus' name. That, Lord, we would commit our health concerns and our career concerns and our relationship concerns and our parents and our finances and our our future, Lord, what life is going to look like, what career is going to look like, where we're going to live and what we're going to do and who we're going to be with. Lord, we just place all that in your hands and we say we will trust you. We walk in faith, God, not in fear. And Lord, you are the one who sees all of time and eternity and you know our future. And so we trust you with it in Jesus' name, amen.